0: We live in a fantasy world now. Reality has been destroyed. This is the time that we really need to pay attention. The probabilities
1: are overwhelmingly on gold's side. That is the best environment to see gold increase its value.
0: Welcome to Palisades Gold Radio. I'm your host, Tom Bodrovics. Joining me today is Phil Denniston, author and founder of InflationEducation.net. Thanks for joining me today, Phil.
1: My pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's about time we connected. Absolutely, I'm looking
0: forward to this conversation today. And you know, it's it's more so, I think, going to be based around just the ideas of how you know, in some ways, you changed your mind, and you know, why you think the let's say a gold-backed currency system and a lot of the things that ob- obviously in the gold community interest us and our somewhat, you know, foundational to how we look at the world. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your backstory and how you became interested in these topics? I know from, you know, reading through your story, you had some big wake up calls that caused you to start to question many of the ideas that were presented to you as you grew up.
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, I came of age, uh, you know, in college in the late 1990s. As the tech bubble was was blowing up, and I was an economics major. It didn't start that way, but landed there, um, in part because I was fascinated by finance. In part because I started in physics and math, and those got too uh, too you know way too uh, abstract. Um, and the econ was easy to just knock out. But I really did find a passion there. But the funny thing is. You know, first of all, four years uh, studying economics in college and not not once did anybody teach me anything from the Austrian school. So I always joke that I have an economics degree, but everything I've learned, I learned <laughs> after college. Right. They taught you Keynesianism. And, um, you know, I remember this one class money in the banking system where they literally had a picture like hand drawn in a textbook where the Federal Reserve was captain of the ship. And was courageously steering the US economy between the twin sea monsters they did drew monsters of uh, uh, inflation and recession slash unemployment uh, and they, I mean, they literally they, they laughed it up and they taught us this stuff right so I mean I didn't know to question it at the time I, I certainly believed it I mean I'm paying for an education and and, and I think they're teaching me something worthwhile um, and as i graduated in may of 2000 i actually uh, i started uh, working as a financial analyst at a securities firm that uh that, that quickly after hiring me shut down completely and let everybody go because it was may of 2000 and and uh and the tech bubble was bursting and i remember being baffled um that that something like this could happen that the powers that be you know could be so uh clueless as to you know that 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 the, the the not only the mob but the people running the ship of wall street and and in washington dc could you know could sit idly and not realize what was happening that we were essentially blowing a bubble and so i started looking into bubbles a little bit and you know got a sense for for how they could happen the, the tulip bubble and the south sea bubble and and, and all the others um and well, I, I chalked it off at that point. I wrote it off that this is a once in a lifetime, once in a generation thing. But I didn't completely write off the system or the powers that be. And then, you know, as I began my career and I, I, I transitioned to sales, completely unrelated uh, to finance, Um but as I began to make some money and invest in the markets and buy a condo and get married, what was happening then in 2008? As I said, I do, you know, it was the uh, the bursting of the housing bubble. I think the, the week I got married, which was uh, October 12th, 2008, was the worst week in the stock market's history. And here it was happening again. And at that point, I said, "Wait a minute! I like I, I was a." trying to buy into the mainstream stuff because you're sort of conditioned as a kid to believe that the you know the the, the adults in charge know what they're doing and and yeah you can pick between republican and democrat but you know uh, but but it's one or the other and so i you know sort of a card-carrying republican a little more socially liberal but but certainly fiscally conservative and i believe the bullshit that they were telling us and at that point, after two thousand eight, I said, "You know, fool, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice. Wait a minute, this is this is my problem. I've got to figure out what's really happening here." Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to dig, and I, you know, found alternative sources, and I, you know, traced everything back to the root of the all the world's biggest, most intractable problems. Right? Not only the bubbles and the busts and this, you know, bubble bust cycle that they that they feed us, but really everything from the wealth gap to the environment to, um, you know, homelessness and endless wars. I mean, you can trace it all back to the crooked, broken, debt-based fiat money system. And this isn't something anybody teaches anybody because that would reveal the cons. So instead, it's it's completely unspoken. And most people have no clue that there's anything wrong with it or that our, our money system is any different than it could be or should be in other words it, it, they think it just is like it, like like the laws of gravity no no no. this is a system that's designed in a crooked way and it's not the one that's worked historically it's not the one that our founders required of the u.s constitution it's a sham and it's been you know an operation the way it is today since 1971 and we're really at the tail end of what's uh you know what's 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 an impending collapse of this debt, debt-based crooked system so Hopefully, I didn't go on too long there, but that's kind of my origin story.
0: Yeah, not a problem. And I, it's kind of funny, like when when I think about how how the mainstream views these things, I I think you know in in some ways maybe the people teaching these things don't question it, right? So there's there's that one issue, but you know, you also get this sense. I, I know I did when I was growing up that the people in government and the people you know in charge are the best people for the job. This is, you know, somewhat a merit meritocratic based system. And, you know, they have everything under control. And once that, you know, that veil is kind of lifted, it really makes you start to question, obviously, and, you know, you feel very disenfranchised when you realize that that maybe isn't the case, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we're saying that we go back to this. the the emperor has no clothes. And I mean, if it, and it it wasn't necessarily obvious, you know, 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> it's pretty pretty obvious today. It's getting harder to to even uh you know, even um you know, uh, j- just fabricate the sham. I mean, if you look at President Biden's tweets and you look at the comments, I mean, they're all just calling him out. I mean, you can you can certainly find some bots that are supporting him and maybe <laughs> some real people. But I mean, and I don't spend too much time looking at it, but it's gotta be, you know, 80%, 8 to 2, people just calling BS on his tweets. Um, so yeah, and, and what, what worries me too, right, is that unfortunately because our, our population, our children, and and, and those children that have grown to adults today, you know, have been taught all the wrong things. You know, as the system unravels, they're going to blame capitalism because, you know, people think that we have a capitalist economy and obviously, the, you know, it's it, the, it's it's a spectrum. There, you know, there, there's certainly... Elements of free markets, you know, a, a, that, that try to keep our system prosperous by serving each other, right? That's why the economy works to some extent. But the reason that it doesn't is that it's not it's not a free market. I mean, not only do we set the most important price in the entire economy, that's the other the other end of every other price, which is the mm-hmm. price of money, or fixing prices like the Soviet Politburo, you know, setting the price of milk or eggs, that's going to create distortions and malinvestment throughout the economy. But uh, in addition to that, it's all the laws and regulations. That it, it's cronyism, right? The government is captured by the highest bidder, and so you know the, what we don't what we don't have is a free markets or capitalism. But that's unfortunately What I think people are going to blame, they're going to ask for more control. They're going to ask for socialism. So it, you know, it could be uh, it, it could be a dark few years. And, and I think for the reasons that you state. The um, the people in charge are not the best ones for the role. In fact, who would even want the job? I mean, who would want the job of Federal Reserve Chair? Who would want the job of President right now? I mean, if you had somebody noble enough like a Ron Paul step in to try to fix these things, I mean, good luck. Um, but they'd have no chance of getting there because, you know, the, the that that's not the type of people that rise to these positions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I- Something I I always come back to is the incentive structure of the system. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, quote unquote, the people that are, you know, in charge that are necessarily the, the, the problem. It's more so the incentive structure that attracts the types of people that are in charge. Right. But I, I wanted to go back to, you know, something that you said maybe 20 or 30 years ago, it was harder to recognize some of these problems and, you know, i think that points to to the idea that this this happens incrementally it happens step by step over time and now we find ourselves you know in the in the mess that we do obviously it's easy to focus on on the negatives as as you know human beings are are more drawn to and of course there were you know seemingly dramatic problems 20 or 30 years ago as well but you know, it just seems to kind of keep piling up and piling up and piling up, and now we're facing all kinds of different problems. And as you stated in, in some of your articles, this is all basically, you know, in part due to this this debt-based economy. And something I'd like you to elaborate on a little bit more that you kind of touched on there was the idea that we don't really have a free market economy. You know, we can we can think we do, but is is the Fed actually, you know, by, by them fixing the most important price in the economy, as you said, how does that distort every other price in the economy?
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's called as the Austrian school describes it, malinvestment, right? There, there, there's a lot of economic activity that happens as a result of this price fixing of money you know, projects that, uh, that, that wouldn't be economically viable because they've forced interest rates lower and then they, and they've blown up asset prices. I mean, the, the you know, the housing bubble of 08 and the and the other one that we're going through right now, right, is a perfect example. Um, the, you know, they're, all the zombie companies too, right. I think we, you know, we, we certainly what, what fragments of capitalism that we held dearly, you know, we let a large piece of those go when we adopted the, the phrase "too big to fail" in 2008, right? Capitalism requires failure. I mean, that's probably the most critical element. I mean, it just into property rights, contract law, but without failure, you don't have what they call creative destruction. You don't have you know new entrants in a vibrant economy. Instead, you're you're clinging to companies that that shouldn't be around, and you're you're doing it through the creation of of, of new money and enforcing interest rates to zero um and so the end result is you know it it's it's really stagnation um and ultimately either a collapse into a depression and deflation or or a, a hyperinflation of the currency um so yeah i mean i think it's i mean look there there's there's no real true free market anywhere that's completely free because of the institution of government and as we talked about i mean the people that are drawn to government mostly are drawn there for the wrong Reasons because they're looking to control other people, um, but even the ones that go in with good intentions. I mean, as Richard Maybury says, the, you know, uh, go, uh, the the power of government corrupts both the morals and the judgment. And uh, and and you talked about incentives. There, there's a I think it's an Upton Sinclair quote that says, you know, if if you if uh, if if a man's income uh, requires that he believe something. Uh, he will believe it, you know. So uh, most of these people, they're good intentioned. I mean, certainly not all of them, but most of them uh, see themselves as the good guy and they're doing the things to line their pockets and then justifying it in their own mind as the right thing to do. I mean, certainly the vaccines are a good example of that. Um, so a bit of a tangent, but yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, we, we live in, a, in a, uh, a, a, we have a, a 50-year pile of, of dry tinder and that's that malinvestment that's trying to, uh to to light up in flames and uh and that's that's why this market really hasn't been free in a long time Mm
0: -hmm. so you know as as an extension of how you see you know that that malinvestment that the the fed has really created by you know keeping if if you look at the the 30-year bond prices as they over the for the last 40 years it just constantly keeps going down and down and down you know some of the problems that you point to that this has created are financial bubbles student debt jobs market environment class warfare cost of living healthcare wealth grab, growing homelessness endless wars so you know how how do we get back from this place or does everything just have to in some way blow up and then we have to restart everything you know it it seems almost too simple to think that all of these problems that I just mentioned in some way are related to one root cause.
1: Yeah. And there are other contributing factors, but yeah, that's the root of all of it, right? Money is the social contract. I mean, it's the, it's, it's really um, it's the system under which we live. And when that system is two tiered and crony, in other words, most of us have to earn money through work and trade but, you know, a small cabal of of, of folks uh, in government and, and closest to the banks can create this money at will and line their pockets. It, it, it's a system that um, ultimately is it's it's rot at the core of our of our social contract. Uh, and people, when I when I describe this, they, you know, and this is more common on social media than in person, but they'll, they'll put in comments. Oh, you're just bitter. You know, you're just bitter because. You don't know. I know how to get ahead. No, I'm ahead. We're we're doing great, right? And I actually don't even really care. I'm happy to use what I know. It just doesn't seem right. So that's why I like to to, to speak about it. That's why I like to write the books about it. It's just to inform other people. I don't expect the world to change. And again, we would be much better off in a gold standard, and that would fix all of this. But not without pain, because mm-hmm. the blunders have already been made. We're at this tail end of a 50 year uh, credit. Bubble, right? So there's a lot of malinvestment that has to collapse. It has there's there's projects that don't work, and those those companies have to be liquidated, and those people have to be fired, and the asset prices have to collapse. But if we went back to a gold standard, much of this would be fixed. All of this, really, it would just we'd have to eat that pain first, and that pain's going to come either way through de- deflation or, or hyperinflation. But the the biggest one that people um, often don't see is the, well, how am I tying this to the environment, right? Um, but that's really because the system itself, because it, it's debt-based, it requires endless growth, right? Every dollar in existence today is issued as a loan because that currency, the Federal Reserve issues by buying treasury debt or mortgage-backed securities or even more recently corporate debt. And what is debt? Debt is... is is, it's it's not only um, principal but interest so tomorrow the, the you know that more dollars are required in the system so it requires endless growth otherwise it's collapsing And how do we have endless growth we've got to burn baby born burn more copper more coal more cobalt um, and so that's really the biggest problem with the environment so um and again you know endless wars I mean if you look at if, if you look at most of the wars including probably this one in, in ukraine I mean it's It's often the bankers lending money to a side that starts to lose and then they, you know, then they influence government to to come out in favor of the side that's losing. So those loans can be repaid. Um, So, yeah, I I trace it all back to the money system, not that there aren't contributing factors. But if we got that right, boy, uh, you know, everything would be so good, so prosperous, assuming we maintained, you know, capitalism, property rights and and, uh, liberty that uh, that, that we wouldn't, uh, you know, we wouldn't have much to complain about.
0: Well, you know, this is interesting to me, and I i i understand, obviously, I understand the argument, but, you know, I want to get your take on why every monetary system has ended up going away from some type of a backed currency, whether it's gold, seashells copper, whatever it was. Doesn't this just point towards some maybe inherent flaw with the constraints that it brings with it? Isn't this like kind of saying socialism will work this time, it just hasn't had the right circumstances surrounding it?
1: Uh, to me, historically speaking, it's, it, this is the aberration. I mean, mo- most of, of monetary history is the free market choosing you know, gold or silver. And then prior to that, things like seashells and cattle and whatnot, um, you know the the paper, the fiat system, uh, debt based fiat system is the aberration. Right? It's been tried before in China and John Law Law in France, but it always ends the same way. And the fact that we've gone fifty years on this one is—I mean, that's that's the record as far as I know. Um, so I don't think that that it that it always um, uh, 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 splits from from a, a backed currency. I think. I think, you know, when we get foolish and, and we allow the, the power of government to stray from it, um, then it, then it gets there. But that's the aberration. And, I mean, what's held this thing together as long as it has is obviously the the, uh, the agreement by the Saudis to only accept uh, U.S. dollars for their oil. And that's falling apart now today. Um, but to me, the, the free market always chooses a backed currency. And it's, it's the institution of government. When, when we when we let them, that will stray into a fiat or a uh, or a paper money system.
0: So maybe we could go through, Phil, some of the the examples of systems that have been destroyed by government involvement. You know, when the when the government gets into and and part of these systems, let's say healthcare, drug prices, education, housing. What do we see when that happens? And the the net result of government intervention in those in those types
1: of systems yeah the government can't save us right they can only make things worse so you know if you look at the student debt bubble i mean that's the you know that was that was government stepping in i believe in the uh oh gosh i guess it was probably after the gi bill when they were you know they all for all for the right reasons right i mean quote unquote the right reasons i mean ultimately to buy votes but you know, to make it easier and more affordable for for uh veterans to 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 go to college they would step in and uh and, and guarantee loans right and but but if you're if you're if you're uh, you're creating more money for the purpose of of people to attend college i mean what is what are, what are colleges going to do like any business when there's more demand for the products, they're going to raise prices and exp- expand capacity and then the the uh Probably the the worst thing in the world was to make student debt the only type of debt that is not dischargeable in bankruptcy. So we've got our our arguably our most vulnerable uh, generation of people, young kids that are goaded into borrowing thousands and then tens of thousands, and now in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars, and pushing them off to, you know, big state university where they're, you know, going to probably have a ball, but not necessarily learn anything of value maybe unless they're getting into engineering or you know a a degree that you need to be credentialed like law or medicine but uh but they come out with tens of thousands of dollars of student debt most of them with worthless degrees and so not only did we make this possible and accessible for them to do we also you know at a very young age convinced them that it's the the really that they have to that everybody you have to have a college degree why you don't have to have a college degree Again, if you know what you want to do and you need a degree, great. But don't run off to big state university to you know just to get a freaking worthless degree. And uh, and so that was that. It all you know. That's the hands of government, right? When We look at the cost of healthcare. When did the cost of healthcare really begin to um, run away from uh, GDP? And that was with the introduction of Medicare. Again, you know, probably for the right reasons, right? We're going to make it easier for seniors to afford healthcare. Uh, you look at Part D, the drug pricing. When did drug prices go up? When, when, when uh, George W. Bush introduced Part D and said, "Okay, we're you know we're gonna we're, we're, we're no longer gonna negotiate with drug companies on the price of drugs. We're gonna pay for them for seniors." I mean, just stay the hell out of it. Keep the dog in its cage. Let willing participants negotiate prices in free markets and compete with each other, and you won't have any of these problems. But as soon as you um you know as soon as you have the institution of government, which is force, um, you try to step in, that creates that malinvestment and it only does damage.
0: Yeah, and you know, if you look at a chart of any of those systems that we talked about, they all skyrocket way past the inflation rate, way past GDP, as you said it. Like it it doesn't seem to grow at the same rate as one would think it should with the population. As soon as government gets involved, all of these systems just explode. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's it, I mean, it's pretty clear when you look at these things. But, you know, we obviously can't have those conver- conversations at the political level uh, because you've got, you know, you got Republicans and Democrats, you got a two-party system. They They both do the same thing. So you're not really going to have a candidate, like I said, except for, you know, the... <laughs> Ron Paul, God bless him, boy, I mean, and they marginalized the heck out of him because when he was running uh, for, for the, when, you know, he, I think he ran a couple times, but the, the year he had his best chance, I think maybe that was 08 when maybe McCain got the nomination, but I was, I was still at the tail end of buying into what the machine said, so I hadn't read any of his books yet, I read them shortly thereafter. But, I mean, they marginalized him, even on the, on the right. Um, they, they made him out like a quack job. And, and, you know, being still in the machine, I just I just assumed he was a quack job because they said he was. No, he wasn't. Read his books. The guy's right on. But you, don't, you just don't get people like that in, in government. So, yeah, the, the result is, you know, we're going to get what we deserve, which is more control, you know, more problems to fix the problems they created yesterday to create bigger problems tomorrow. <laughs>
0: You know, you hit on an interesting point there that that you said in one of your articles, reading, reading and more reading brought you to a better understanding, as you put put it, of what was actually forming policies and bubbles around you. So what were some of the most important and influential texts in what what maybe we could call your your secondary education?
1: Yeah. So uh, I mentioned Ron Paul, all of his books were were wonderful and the Fed Revolution uh, I mean, if I, if I pick one, right, and I didn't even read this one till till later, but it's it's one I probably should have found earlier. But the Creature from Jekyll Island. I mean, that you know how the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, off the coast of Georgia. Incredible book, and it's on, um,
0: it's on my bookshelf right there.
1: No <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. And uh, you know, what, what's this? What's the author's name? I'm drawing a blank. Do You remember uh, Edward Griffin, G. Edward yeah. Griffin. Yeah. He's still doing great things out there. You know, I happen to be on his email list and, you know, calling bullshit on this whole COVID narrative. Uh, in, but so that, in, Interestingly well, enough, Phil,
0: I actually have a signed copy from him where he gave us a, a keynote in the federal reserve room on Jekyll Island.
1: Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Amazing. Yeah, it was a pretty cool there. experience. Yeah. And then, so, so, you know, books, I mean, the, um, you know, somebody ran stuff, I mean, but, well, really, I was also, uh, I got heavy into newsletters, right? The, and there's a lot of garbage newsletters out there, but there's some good ones, right? The the, the guys like Bill Bonner, Doug Casey, Porter Stansbury. Um, I'm a big fan of Chris Martinson uh, and his site, peakprosperity.com. And I actually write a little bit. I don't, haven't had time in a while, but I write a little bit there. Uh, so, so guys like that, um, who I would consider sort of the new kind of Austrian school thinkers, um, and I've, I've read some of Mises and Hayek stuff, um, but I tended to look more for like stuff that would combine those lessons with current commentary on what's happening in the world. So that's where Casey Bonner, Stansbury, uh, Martinson, um, Grant Williams, I love things like that. So I, I, I spent a lot on all these newsletters and stuff, but really enjoy them. And nowadays, you can get it too through, through other media, like, you know, podcasts like yours. And and the, most of those guys have either podcasts or YouTubes. Um, so it's a great day to really understand what's happening in the world because you can, you can find it right at the tip of your tongue. You just got a tip of your fingers. You just got to start to get a sense for where to look and, and they don't want you to get that, but it's easier than ever to find it.
0: Mm-hmm. So Phil, how do we, You know, realign the incentives of government to bring the values of accountability, responsible use of power and efficiency back into rendering the services to the nation. Is it, do we have to start at the government level or is returning to a gold standard and, you know, obviously acknowledging the pain that that would bring? Would that be the best way to kind of put us back on track in your opinion?
1: So returning to a gold standard is a no-brainer, and it will never happen, right? And, and actually, that's not true. It will happen, but it will never happen uh, willingly, voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, the government will never will never make that choice because they because they want to. They, there will be a forcing function. My second piece was we're headed back to a gold standard, and um, that was six seven years ago, but. The the reason it will happen is because this thing has to blow up, and when it does, th- there'll be only one way to restore confidence in the dollar, and that is to give it a gold backing. Now, the free market, um, you know, could turn to gold or, or Bitcoin and whatever it wants, but for the for the government to do it, they they have to be forced to do it, and we better hope that that we do have that gold and Fort Knox and Dix in order to do that, because that would restore confidence. But but you you mentioned how do we. Um, how do we, you know, incent the government to do the right thing? You can't because it's, it's, it's force. The government is force, And so what you have to do is you have to limit its power. And all we have to do is go back to the U S constitution. I mean, it's right there. Uh, but as the founding father said, I mean, it's a Republic if you can keep it and we, we, we can, and we couldn't because, you know, the, the, um, it, you know, the, as you start to see more power, uh to the government and they promise more things in exchange for votes you eventually get what we have today which is uh a giant beast and a behemoth that that um that in part has gotten so big because of that move to a fiat system in 1971 where they no longer have to tax uh for for all the the money and uh power that they have they can simply print um and that has to collapse there's no there is no way around it Uh, And that's not not a bad thing. It's ultimately a good thing, but there will be short-term pain, medium-term pain, I should say, as that happens. Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know, Phil, you write kids' books and, you know, obviously with the idea that you want to teach your kids about money, you know, using that word deliberately, not necessarily currency, right? How do you approach teaching them about money, saving, and investing?
1: Yeah, so I would say um, you know there's there's a really there's a mix of what we do, which is which is there's a lot of mainstream ideas that are good. For example, you know investing in good businesses and 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 the time value of money in doing that, and then there's a lot of you know non-mainstream stuff, which is where you and I mostly see it eye to eye. I know on, on fiat versus versus sound money. But, uh, you know, on the mainstream approach, uh, we've got an ultimate parent's guide to money saving and investing. It's free. I spent a lot of time on it. We're basically taking 20, 20 25 years of my research and, and putting it into a 40, 50 page uh, piece, which is, which is, I try to be funny in there too, to keep, because I know most, I'm fascinated by this stuff, but for most people it's boring. So we we drop in some jokes in there. But p- part of that is a 10 step plan to ensure that your kids have security tomorrow. And that includes uh teaching them about sound versus fiat and saving in silver so when when uh when my my kids are on a, what i call a silver saving system where the work that they do around the house you know they're able to redeem you know they're, they're essentially building dollars in a ledger in an excel file that they can redeem for silver when they want and they watch the price of silver to do that and they've got you know each depending on how long they've been on it have x number of ounces of silver that i give them in their hand that they put in little safes in their room and then it, there, there's another allocation that goes automatically into a bank account at wells fargo because you look as long as you're living the system you better understand how to use a, a bank account um and then part of that then automatically allocates over to m1 finance to a custodial brokerage account where we pick uh individual stocks together and I have them come to me with ideas for companies that they like, for products that they use. Um, you know, I, you know, my my kids have picked Apple and Amazon. Um, and then we also look at the dividend aristocrats because what we're trying to do with this with these brokerage accounts is we're not trying to trade in and out of positions. I personally, in my own speculative account love changing that asset allocate, allocation you know moving into energy when i think it's right but with with them i, I don't want to look at it right i want them to buy stocks and hold them forever so we focus on brands big brands that are capital efficient and then we kind of narrow the list with the dividend aristocrats companies that have raised their dividend every year for 30 years or something like that and this, these allocations are all automatic and i don't let them change positions except once per year uh, we look at it at or around their birthday we, and they can look at it in the meantime, but they can't move anything around. But on their birthday, we can look at it and we can say, okay, this is what's done well. This is what what has it. These are the these are the businesses in your portfolio. Do you want to add one? Do You want to move money around? Do you want to take one out? Um, and so that's been fascinating for them, and 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 I've enjoyed it too. That teaches them the mainstream and what they have today that they will not have when they're 25 and they will not have when they're 35 and it will simply go to zero as they get older is that time component. Because, you know, as Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, well, they said it, I don't, I don't know, but the, the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. So if you get in early when they're five years old, 10 years old, you know, they've got a lifetime, 80 years for that, for that to compound. And every week there's a small allocation of the work that they do around the house. It goes into the bank account and the part of that, and that bank is the cash reserve. I teach them, you're building cash there. Yeah, it's going to get inflated away, but you do that for the crisis, right? When there's the, the next big 2008 style bust, which we're probably on the precipice of, you're going to be a buyer. You're going to train that muscle to be greedy when others are fearful and, uh, and and train them to be when when there's blood in the streets and everybody's panicking and selling everything they're going to remember buying something because they built that cash up and then you go in, you say everybody's selling guess what we're going to buy what do you want to buy and they're going to they're not I, we haven't done that yet right because we haven't had that big bust since you know really since 2000 we, we got close to 2020 but it turned around too quickly i was i was thinking another you know 15 percent down maybe we'd be buyers but it turned around so fast we missed that um so i went on for a while there but that's the ultimate parent's guide to money saving and investing. How I teach them the main, the, really the mainstream stuff with that focus on the silver component as well. The, so they understand fiat versus sound.
0: Excellent. Well, Phil, there was one other line I came across um, in one of the articles that you wrote. And I want to ask you what gives you the courage to say that you should never be afraid to stand up for what's right, even alone if you have to?
1: Well, and that's easy to say, right? It's easy to write down, um, but it's not easy to do, uh, especially because, you know, and, and one of our books is called The Madness of Crowds, right? I think one of the best things that we can teach our, our children and understand about ourselves is that we're herd animals, right? So the the, the really the, the biggest fear that most of us have that came from evolution was that we would be excommunicated from the herd we would be pushed out we would no longer be able to be with the tribe and that meant we would freeze to death in the winter we would be picked off by a predator so what's most challenging for us is to actually think differently than what everybody else is thinking or what they're making us think that everybody else is thinking and that's easier today than ever because of social media you know i mean they could just pump your feet up with all kinds of BS. I mean, the COVID example is, is a great example. So um, again, that's something we need to understand about ourselves and teach our children that groupthink is dangerous and that we have to be able to think differently. And then actually putting it into practice, standing up for what you believe in. I mean, it's so sad when you see some of these things, and I don't even I can't even watch for more than a few seconds, but when, you know, when they're when they're running across Twitter and whatnot of kids beating up other kids on on buses i mean big kids beating up little kids on buses and everybody just watching like somebody's got to stand up and fucking knock those kids out i mean you you have to you have to stand up for what's right and it's not easy to do and i can't say you know there's times when i've done it and there's times when i didn't and i certainly regretted the times that i didn't yeah i think
0: <laughs> i think that that's a muscle that you have to build and you know, I don't think it's ever been more important to understand the value of of standing up and and saying what you think is right because we've seen too much abuse of of power of every every type of system over the last couple of years, especially so Phil, is there anything else you want to go over today before we wrap up this conversation?
1: You know not as I'll basically briefly what I mentioned before, only because it's been it's been what's on my mind again, like sometimes people you know they might say oh you're bitter or you know and and I'm not actually I believe I I I I love the world that, that we're in I mean to be at this turning point as you said a 40 years of interest rates coming down now to be at a turning point there's such huge opportunities there right and I don't again I don't expect the institution of government to have less power I don't expect to go back to a gold standard I really don't care I just want to inform other people I'm happy to use the boy it's easy to use the system to your advantage when you understand it so all those things Look, they have me optimistic. I mean, um, but there are really two things that, like you know, that do have me worried. Right? The the and I mentioned this before we uh, started the recording, but that there are only two things that would make it difficult to live to live a life in which myself and my children could thrive. One of them is nuclear war, and the other is uh, totalitarianism. And boy, we are closer to those two things. Than, than we really have been since uh you know whatever i mean in, in the case of totalitarianism you know yeah I, I guess you could say you know world war ii but that none of that was coming over here and uh and in the case of nuclear annihilation maybe the cuban missile crisis but I, as i as i always say we we're not dealing with kennedy and khrushchev negotiating the cuban missile crisis who so were smart enough right to, to 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 create back channels to each other to keep the world in a good place, and what we have today is the opposite. Whoever's running the Biden administration, I mean, seems hell bent on, on war. So again, that's not stuff that you can control. So I don't say it to to, to scare people. I uh, just because it's on my mind. Uh, but again, I'm an optimist otherwise, and uh, you focus on the things you can control. It's a beautiful world out there.
0: Absolutely, I think I think that's a a really important point is is focusing on what you can control. Phil, for those that want to check out your children's books i know we didn't mention them completely here but they're available on your website at inflationeducation.net right
1: yeah that's right there's 5 of them in total inflationeducation.net uh you you buy the bundle you save 40% and if you don't like them for any reason at all let us know we'll refund 100% of your money you can keep one anyway just as a as a gift for trying us
0: excellent and of course you're available on twitter as well at inflationedu right yeah, I'm not very
1: active on Twitter, but but yeah, you can you can follow me there, and whenever I do a new post, which is typically monthly, uh, I will put it there, so you'll see it. Yep, and then join our email list at the website to uh, to, to you know to, to get closer access to what we do.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much for your time today, Phil. Really appreciate it. Thank you
1: so much for having me, Tom. It's been a
0: pleasure. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests on this show are not compensated for their appearance. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. Do not base any investment decisions on the information contained. To view our full disclaimer, please visit our website.